Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Conversations. This is Casey Sees along with my good friend Josh Reich. Hey Josh, how's it going today, man? It's good. How are you, Casey? I'm doing great, man. Just excited to be here with you and been encouraged by the feedback we've been receiving from folks listening to the podcast. So for those of you listening, thanks so much for listening to Leadership Conversations and for sharing it uh, with your friends on social media, email, et cetera. So glad you're listening today. Yeah, thanks, guys. We're so excited that you're with us. We're talking about something that every leader thinks about, every leader um, wishes that they could be better at. Um, and that is developing other leaders. And as you think back over your own leadership journey, at some point there was somebody who took some uh, interest in your leadership, who gave some effort and time to you. It might be somebody from afar through podcasts or, or books or conferences. And it was probably somebody really close to you, somebody that you maybe worked under. It might have been a boss or a pastor that, that saw potential in you uh, probably before you even saw potential in yourself. And so as we, as we grow as leaders, then uh, one of the things that we struggle to do is to pass that leadership on and to develop other leaders. And that is uh, one of our passions here at Leadership Conversations, but it is really uh, a really big part of what Casey does through his coaching and speaking. And so as we're getting closer to the end of the year and getting ready for the new year, we wanted to spend some time talking about how to develop leaders. How do you make that a priority in your calendar um, and, and how you develop leaders who will last um, and not just um, maybe flake out. And so Casey, start us off, you know, when someone comes to you and says, I need help developing leaders. I don't have any leaders. I, you know, my employees, they're, they're not where they need to be, or I need more volunteers in my church. What are some of the things that you uh, start off with when somebody asks you that? Yeah. The first thing I do is I affirm them that yes, indeed, they do need leadership uh, in their church, developed or in their business. Um, that's one of the greatest investments we can make. There's often fear, especially for those in business, that if they invest too much into an employee and train them and offer too much training, that they will then price themselves out of the position or something like that. But I think that's extremely short-sighted um, in leadership in general. One of the biggest regrets I have in church planting particularly is waiting too long to really start formally working through ideas and processes to develop leaders. Now, it doesn't mean that we didn't put people in place, but, but developing leaders is different than just recruiting people to do things for you. Uh, because as a leader, you have to have clarity on the direction you are leading the organization and then not only equipping people in general towards their giftings, but also specifically helping to identify their gifts and directing their gifts towards the fulfillment of the goals that have been set before you all for your organization. And so the first thing um, that I tell people after I congratulate them is, well, great. Where, where do you see a need for leaders in your current organization? And oftentimes where they um, see the need is, is more reactive than proactive leadership development. And so the way we look at it in our church is we start out with a general form of leadership development, um, basic training on some things and uh, leadership, you know, qualities, and then grow from there. So for us, a big need in our church are leaders for our volunteer groups on Sunday mornings. And so we not only make them aware of what the job requires, um, 
but also what winning at the job looks like. And then uh, walk with them. We show them how to do it. We walk with them as they do it. Then we observe them doing it. And then we're there to coach and help along the way. On the business side, it's been extremely important for my publishing company as we've been growing for us to hire appropriately and also then train those leaders and invest in them to to have all the resources and tools available to him or her so that the the company can continue to thrive. Because um, if you call yourself a leader yet no one's following you and you are not replicating yourself, I begin to question that, that, that title for yourself. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to rush past this because I think you just gave us so much in that answer. And I think one of the things that we fail to do is we fail to define um, what a leader is, what makes somebody a leader. So when, when people will come and say, well, we need more leaders or we need more, more volunteers, or we need to hire some more people for this team. Well, what are they going to do? You know, what makes somebody a leader at your church or your company versus a different one? Because the things that, the things that matter at my church maybe don't matter at your church. Uh, There's a culture and there's a DNA um, that's already there. Um, There's a fit that I think we often overlook. And as well, one of the questions that we've started to see as our church has grown is what is the difference between a leader versus a doer? Um, what is the difference between someone who is able to catalyze a team, cast vision, develop other leaders, um, be strategic, um, scheduling versus somebody who just loves to do what that team does. And it's, and I think one of the problems in especially church circles is we often, um, give just a really poor picture of the person who just loves being on that team. Um, and, and I think it's important for us to really validate there's a lot of good that comes from someone just being on the team instead of trying to push somebody up into a leadership role that they're not gifted at, um, a leadership role that they don't want to have. I, I remember there was a guy in our church who just kept getting passed over for promotions at his company. He kept denying promotions. And finally, after about five or six years, his company asked him why he kept denying promotions. And he said, I love what I do. I don't yep. want to be in charge of this team. Um, yep. I love being on this team. And, and I think that's an important thing for us to understand because I know for myself as a leader, I just think, well, everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to do what I do. And the Everybody's reality is just like me. No, right. like <laughs> no one, you know, very few people want to do what I do. I was said this to someone on my team the other day and she goes, I don't want to be like you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and so I think that's important for leaders. It's easy for us to forget that. Um, it's well, easy for us to forget that. Yeah, and what, what, one thing that I, I use to d- differentiate between a doer and a leader are the doers want responsibility for the completion of a task. Um, and a leader wants responsibility to ensure that the people are directed towards the accomplishment of those tasks. And so the, the, the gauge and level of responsibility will determine whether or not we call someone a leader, per se, in the church. You know, with, with in the church side of things, a deacon is an administer. They administrate the the works for the purpose of ministry, and they take responsibility. And at times, they lead teams, but they're responsible to ensure things are taken care of, so that the pastors, the ministers, can then have the resources, the tools, the coordination that's necessary for us to do the work of ministry. And so, on the business side of thing, you have those who are responsible for certain tasks. And then you have those who are responsible to oversee those who are doing the tasks, um, et cetera. And so, you know, you can be a um, responsible for tasks and not necessarily have to be a leader. 
Um, when, when I, when I talk about leader is that they are leading other people towards the accomplishment of a goal, as opposed to they are the one that's themselves accomplishing a goal. The same thing with entrepreneurs. I tell entrepreneurs is you, you can either start a business or you can just own a job. And most entrepreneurs own a job. They, they do all the work, they do everything else. They're collecting a paycheck, but they're not really creating jobs for other people. And the people that they hire aren't to take over responsibilities and lead in those areas. They're so that they can get some of the tasks off their plates. So they can continue to do their job. And so that there's a, there's a unique difference on um, true leadership. What we're talking about is not those who are just equipped to do the task, but beyond that, see the vision for the fulfillment of that task, empower and develop other people to be a part of the fulfillment of those tasks for the greater purpose of the mission. Hmm, that's great. So after defining it, after um, looking at what someone's going to do, the wins of that role, what, what's the next thing that you encourage a leader to do? Well, when you're first getting started, if you're a, if a small business, let's say with a, a staff of five or less, or you're a pastor with a staff of five or less, um, or a church of maybe a hundred adults, something like that, you can still um, individualize some of the development that's needed. My early on, my elders, not all of them needed to read Grudem systematic theology. Some of them had theological background and training. And so, um, they, that was, they would do it because they're humble guys, but they didn't necessarily need, that wasn't necessarily their deficiency. Some of those guys needed more, um, read books like crucial conversations so they can learn how to have harder conversations with people, um, or books on boundaries or different elements of leadership. And so I think early on we make a mistake of trying to institute this huge, um, leadership development plan that's very impersonal. And I think part of what you have to take in consideration is where is your organization now? What are the needs of your organization? Because um, early on you can do it pretty organically, but I always tell leaders, why don't you start developing leaders towards the next step in the journey for your organization? So um, if you have a church of 125, then you want to start developing leaders towards a church of 250 um, and, or 200, 250 and, and working towards those benchmarks and what leaders need to have to be able to go to that place. You don't want to get them so future oriented that they, you know, get frustrated along the way because it's taking too long, nor do you want to get them fully solid where you currently are if you're intending on growing. That's very important. So what is that, what does some of those trainings look like? I mean, if you're going to develop, um, whether it's a, a board member, a staff member, a volunteer, what are some of the trainings that you do personally for your leaders? So this is super boring and lame and not very flashy, but um, I, I like to put together position focus sheets. And what I like to do is put together, here's my vision for this position and what I hope to see it accomplish. And part of the test of seeing if someone's actually a leader is if they can speak into and inform the direction of their leadership as well. And so I'll sit with them and say, here's a position focus sheet I've put together. This is, um, this is not in PDF format, still in word format or pages format. So we can adjust it. Um, but, but what, what on there really sticks out to you? Like something you could kill it at what on there makes maybe concerns you and what's missing. And so I let the leader speak into that to an extent. Now, if there's non-negotiables, I make sure to have a note of that myself. Um, but I let them start immediately taking ownership. And that's one of the things I think a lot of us miss is what we're delegating is not in, in invitation to lead. We're delegating jobs that we want them to fulfill. And if you're really going to attract and develop leaders, you need to start training them to lead from the beginning as you're going, while going, making disciples, helping them really see the thought going behind it. Now, if you're asking them to lead in your organization, it helps them to begin to learn and understand how it is that you lead so that they can come alongside and amplify the vision that God's placed in your heart and mind for your business or church. Um, but it's, it's important for us to, to begin that process on the onset. After we have that in place, I begin to um, 
you know, start training them on the appropriate things they need to be trained. Some of the things they can go figure out on their own. Some of the things they need to find someone else in the church who maybe has been doing that, that they can learn from. And then we start working through from there, where, where are the deficiencies? Where are they, what's working? What's not working? Where are they feeling stuck? Um, and we, we start growing from there. I enjoy putting together application processes uh, for leaders in various capacities. Um, it really gives me insightful questions into their personality. Um, and so I'll use a disc assessment at times. I'll use the Enneagram at times, personality profiles, um, to get an idea of how a person is specifically wired. And then through a series of conversations, we'll be able to be able to start identifying some areas that might need to grow in. So if I'm working with a young person that wants to plant a church, um, they are very oriented towards, um, preaching the gospel and being relational and things like that, then I'll make them read either the trellis and the vine, um, or e-myth revisited by Michael Gerber, um, to really start thinking through structure things as well. Or if I meet somebody that wants to plant a church, but it's very, um, structure oriented, then I might tell them to go read Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. Um, so that they can become more approachable. I have a guy on my team that I made him read how to win friends and influence people because he's very heady and intellectual, but he wants to be a pastor. And so he needs to learn how to relate with people. Um, and so it, it really, at the smaller size, you go there. I think once you get to around 10 to 20 people, what we've done is we tried, we piloted something called the leadership pipeline about a year ago. And it was an 11th month process with 11 different books. Um, and so I, I had one guy tell me, he's like, I read more now than I've read since I was in college. Um, and I said, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> um, but that was probably a little too intense and too broad. And so we're narrowing that down. You know, we, we, from there, we were able to get a couple of guys um, into the deacon process. And, um, and we have a few guys that have stepped up and saying, I really feel aspired to call, call to become an elder at the church. And so we had a process in place for eldership, but we're fine tuning it based upon the giftings and calling and knowledge of the men we have. And so at a smaller size, you're able to gauge it. Uh, a, a place that does it really well in our area called Clear Creek Community Church. Um, they've done a wonderful job. I actually went through their leadership development for a year that they take all their volunteers through. It's pretty phenomenal. They usually have 100 to 150 volunteers on an annual basis going through like a nine-month process where they get people to take off work um, until 11 o'clock on certain days of the week, you know, one day a month and people come and they sit for four hours from seven to 11 and they're trained and they get in groups and they work on things and they have a curriculum in place. Now this is a church of thousands of people. And so they're able to scale to that point. But I think a lot of times we think that of course, when we're that size, we've got to have a machine, but we don't know how to get to that machine. And that's something that I'm fighting to figure out along the way. Um, because, you know, I'd rather do something, even if it's not perfect to be moving people along and helping them grow than to sit by analyzing it year after year and then wondering why all the work's still on my shoulders. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've done personally for the last several years is I have found um, kind of similar to what you said uh, about 10 to 12 leaders and have spent five months with them. And one of the things that I tell them, my only promise to them is that at the end of those five months, they will be a better leader at work, in the church, in their home, in their personal life. And, and I just throw the leadership sink at them over five months. We read five books. Um, they do personality tests. They do case studies. Um, you know, one of the things that I love, it, I, I think a lot of times pastors want to find out, um, they want to ask questions about what people believe, which is important to find out. But one of the things that I'll do is I'll give people practical ministry or leadership uh, situations and ask them what they would do in that situation. Um, you know, this happens over here. What would you do? This happens, you know, what would you tell that person? And, and then you start to see how their mind works, what they believe, how they're going to apply things. 
And what I found through that process, because we do it at, we do it at 6am in the morning. Cause one of the things that I want to find out is, are you willing to get up? <laughs> yep. um, are you willing to do some hard work? I remember when I went through a similar process when I was in college, it started at 5am. Um, yep. We met from five to seven every uh, like Wednesday morning for a year. And um, and I remember the first week I was so nervous that I was going to oversleep. I slept in my car in the parking lot of the church so that I would be on time. <laughs> and cause I didn't want to miss it. I, you know, I wanted so badly to be a leader and to be poured into. And, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, it's too early. You know, I can't read five books in five months. And for me, because of the amount of time that I'm pouring in and here's what I've started to see. When you think about it yourself as a leader, let's just say you could get five people to commit to that over the next five months. And in the next five months, you had five more people. Well, right. that's 10 people that you have poured into in a five month time span. And you know what? You're going to find out so much about their story, so much about who they are, their passions. Um, when, when you're discussing personality tests, you're going to find out about how they're wired. And you know, that takes a lot of guesswork out of when you start to think through, well, who could take on this project? Who could lead this team? Who's passionate about this? Um, you know, I, I'm sitting around a table with people, some people who are overseeing thousands of people at their company. And, and so I'm starting to go, you know what? Like that person shouldn't just be doing this role in our church. They need to have a bigger capacity in our church. And, and that's, a, that's a missed opportunity I think a lot of pastors have because we're looking for this really big class or something that everybody in our church comes to instead of just saying, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with the people who want to show up every week and learn. Yep. Absolutely. No, I, you know, I remember early on in the church plan, I had a group of guys, six guys. We met at 6 AM Monday through Thursday. And we did that for, I don't know how many months. And basically I didn't know what I was doing. It was early on and I would go through and, and highlight stuff I thought was important, Grudem systematic theology. And I would read it to them, dictate it to them, and they would write it down. And then we would stop and discuss what they were talking. But basically, I made them write down my highlights. And the six guys, man, they, they came and they did that. And it's funny because I looked at it and I was like, man, I don't know what kind of fruit's there. I was, that was crazy town. And that these guys would do it and they were serious. I think I was trying to be like Tommy Nelson's Young Guns that he has at Denton Bible Church. But I didn't really know his whole curriculum. And so... Uh, being entrepreneurial, I just started something and kind of winged it. And it was a fruitful time. And it's funny, the guys still winsomely look back and talk about that. And we did that for like three or four months. And one of the guys now is a, a planter in New Braunfels, Texas. One of the guys is an elder candidate here at the church. Um, another guy is, an elder, uh, is a leader in his church where he is now. And, um, and so, it, you know, there was fruit. And was it most beneficial? Um, except for forming some habits for these guys, probably not. But I think it was, you know, the content could be improved and thought through. And maybe the frequency could be. But it was just very important for me to invest in some people and, and disciple people along the way. And I think that's part of the thing as a Christian leader, whether it's business or in church, is we have an opportunity to give of what we've been given and invest that in other people. And I love Proverbs 20, verse 5, that the ways of a man's heart is like deep waters. A man of understanding draws it out. And to be able to draw those those deeper things and those truths out of these men and women's lives to help them identify and see where they're being led and then helping them form a plan for execution, man, it's amazing. It's a great feeling. And, you know, there, there's insecurity that all of us leaders feel, you know, we want to get in the comparison game or what if we, you know, equip somebody so well that we're out of a job. But really the goal is, is that if you had to disappear tomorrow, hopefully someone would step in that you've poured into that would either do as well or better than you. So 
as we wrap up, Casey, what would you tell a pastor, a leader who isn't doing leadership development right now? I would say you are, you're just doing it poorly because um, by not doing leadership development, you are developing leaders and just not the direction you want to go. Um, a lack of leadership development is still developing leaders. What you're developing people towards is passivity and activity and, and, and you're not, you're not leading your people towards obedience and urgency. And so I would say, Hey, first just own it. Like I am leading just not well, like I'm, I'm making it the me show and, and we're called to replicate ourselves. So the first thing would be to do that. The second thing would be is to sit down with yourself and say in my church or my business, or whatever, what are the things that are on my plate that I believe someone in my purview could do way better than I could? Um, and probably should do, um, maybe I'm good at it, but I shouldn't be doing it and start working with that. I had a pastor friend of mine that I worked with for quite some time and he was both leading worship and preaching every single week. And I said, there's no one on the, on the face of the United States that you can't hire to bring in to free you up to lead worship or, or either you lead worship or you bring in a preacher. He's like, no, I just like doing both. But at the same time, he's telling me how he's burned out, how he's tired, how he's fatigued and everything else. And, and I helped him see that. And he realized he's like, well, I got a young guy in the church that, that's actually pretty good at leading. And I'm like, well, dude, take three months, lead together, let him lead while you're up there and then pass it off to the kid. Um, and, and I think we just get short-sighted sometimes. So I would say start somewhere, make a list of what, everything you're doing and determine who needs to do it. Um, the difference between delegation and abdication, delegation um, is where you give um, the responsibility, you equip the person and you provide a feedback loop. Abdication is you throw it on someone, you don't equip them and you don't want to hear about it again. That, that's mm -hmm. different. And we can go into that on another episode, but, but, but I, I'm advocating delegation, not abdication. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, make sure you, you prepare the person, equip them, walk with them and then coach them. Um, but trust me, your life and your ministry or your business will get a lot better. Well, thanks Casey. I appreciate all that. Is there any, any other closing thoughts? Yeah, just it's worth it. I mean, whether you're a church planner, a pastor, a business person, if you're not good at it, find those who are. Read books on uh, leadership. I remember my, my lead pastor back in the day uh, made me read the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by uh, John Maxwell. And I rolled my eyes. I was like, I'm only reading theology books. And, you know, I was kind of a turkey about it. But, you know, he's like, okay, fine, but just read it. I remember reading it. And there's, there's elements of that one book that have stuck with me. Um, part of the reason we're not developing leaders is because we're not developing ourselves. And so if you are a leader in any capacity, position yourselves to learn, whether you get a coach, read some books, listen to a podcast. Um, by listening to this podcast, you're showing that, hey, you're wanting to invest in leadership. And that's a great start. So anyways, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Leadership Conversations. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.